0: Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to podcast episode 107. Today we're deconstructing emotional eating. Emotional eating is when we eat or drink in a way that has nothing to do with our body's needs for nutrients and energy. Emotional eating is normal and it's a part of being human. Sometimes I hear people, other weight loss experts, suggesting that we shouldn't be emotionally eating. I hear them suggesting it's a problem to be stopped as if it's something we shouldn't do. But I don't think that is the case and I don't think it is helpful or realistic to think of emotional eating as something we shouldn't be doing. I love eating for emotional reasons. I love eating foods that nourish my body, that feel good in my body, that help me to feel energized and focused and physically well. And I also love foods for the pleasure I get from eating them, the contribution they make to special occasions, and the memories that are created with family and friends. If we weren't emotionally eating at all, we'd all be living off something akin to space food. Not that I even know what space food is. I am just imagining little packs of nutrients and energy in maybe silver foil packets that have nothing that tastes horrible, I'm guessing, would be very dry or very bland or something like that. Anyway, I don't think any of us want to spend our lives eating that type of food. It's more that if you weigh more than you want to weigh, if you are wearing a larger clothes size than you want to wear, or if you know you are not as physically or emotionally healthy as you could be and you want to be because of your weight, then maybe you want to look at your emotional eating. Or if you suspect you're not giving your body the nutrition and nourishment it deserves, then you're also going to want to readdress the balance of emotional eating. You're going to want to readdress the balance of eating for nutrition and nourishment versus eating for comfort and pleasure and other emotional reasons. And just a caveat that emotional eating is not just about eating for comfort and pleasure, but I'll talk more about that in a moment. But I want you to hear me when I say that emotional eating is not bad and it's not to be judged. It's something that we do because we, and by we, I mean society, the society that we live in today, finds it a relatively effortless way to help ourselves as a human in this world feel better, or, or at least feel momentarily better in our lives. And our primal brain is always driving us to feel better. But before we get started with readdressing that balance, let's look at the different ways that emotional eating shows up in our life. Because emotional eating is so very, very normal. Sometimes we don't even spot that we are emotionally eating because emotional eating cannot be separated from normal eating because it is normal eating. So before you can do things to help yourself eat the way you want to eat to lose weight for life you must become more aware of your emotional eating patterns and behaviours and seek to understand them. So here are some of the ways in which we emotionally eat. We emotionally eat when we choose to eat something purely for the pleasure it gives us. And as I say that, I just want to address something quickly. I'm aware that as I differentiate our eating as eating to do with nourishment and nutrition versus eating we do for emotional reasons, it might also be easy to assume that the foods we eat fall into neatly into one of those two categories. But of course, it's not quite as simple as that. Oftentimes, the foods we turn to, to help us to manage our emotions, are the less nutrient-dense foods. And by that, I mean the foods that don't have a good range of macro and micronutrients within them, but that do perhaps have a higher concentration of refined sugar, salt and or fat. They may be foods that we consider to be processed or ultra processed. And that may be because our body responds to these types of foods physiologically in a way that often keeps us eating them and gives us a lot of pleasure, a lot of dopamine in our brain. And so we end up you know, overeating or emotionally eating those foods. And they also tend to be the foods that contribute to us gaining weight or hindering us losing it. But it's not always the case. You can absolutely have an emotional reliance on very nutrient-dense foods as well, such as nuts or maybe avocados and other foods that would fall into a nutrient-dense category. It's less often than our reliance on the refined and processed foods, but it is still the case. So don't assume because you're eating foods that we can easily label as healthily, you are therefore not emotionally eating. And likewise, don't assume that um, because of the foods you're eating, you're eating them for emotional reasons. And again, I say this not because you're doing anything wrong. It's just so that you have an increased awareness. Okay. so we were looking at the different ways that we eat emotionally, and the first one that I just mentioned was choosing to eat something purely for the pleasure it gives us. Now, other ways include eating when we know we've had enough, but the food tastes so good, or that's what we tell ourselves, that we keep on eating even though our body is satiated and we are full. Another way might be when we have a three-course meal. A three-course meal is a construct created by society for pleasure and enjoyment. It is not that our body requires three courses for our nutritional requirements to be met. When we go to a coffee shop and have something to eat or drink and we're not physically hungry or in need of hydration, that is an emotional eating, drinking occasion. And I'm not suggesting we never go to coffee shops because I love going to coffee shops. Anytime we have a snack, there are some exceptions here, but for most of us, snacking is not necessary when our body is well-nourished and working the way it was designed. And by that, I mean that between meals, your body is designed to snack on your own onboard fat reserves. It does not require you to top up by taking on board more food if you have spare fat on your body. Now, just to say that doesn't always feel that way, because your hormones may be out of balance. And of course, there are also medical conditions and situations where it is also more difficult for your body to work the way in which it was designed. If you're curious to hear more about snacking and why it's not necessary, check out this podcast episode number 15, which is just called snacking. Okay, what else might we consider emotional eating? Well, anytime you have a drink of alcohol or another drink that is not for the purposes of hydration, it is for emotional reasons. And there are lots of very good reasons, emotional reasons why we should have different drinks. I'm not saying you shouldn't do this. I just want you to be aware so that you can get really clever and savvy at using your emotional eating and drinking to help you not hinder your weight loss. Okay. Other emotional reasons. When we eat cake to celebrate a birthday, all of those special Christmas foods, And then we have the ones where you maybe think of when I mention emotional eating, which might look like you seeking out food when you are bored, tired, cold, frustrated, want to treat yourself or want to distract yourself or relax or just take a break. And there will be many, many more. But I just want you to know that for most of us, we eat far more for emotional reasons than we do for nutritional reasons. And that is a really good thing to know. Okay, it doesn't mean that we're doing it wrong, but I want you to become more aware to the extent to which you may be emotionally eating because when you're aware of how much you're emotionally eating, you're going to be better equipped to readdress the balance. Because the more opportunities you have to readdress that balance, once you are aware of how frequently you're emotionally eating. It's easier to choose the changes that you want to make. You don't have to change everything. You just know there's lots of different ways that you can help yourself readdress that balance. And just a reminder, you must not judge any of it. I don't want you to start out thinking you shouldn't be eating in this way. That's not useful and it puts you into conflict and confusion. Instead, it would be great if you thought about it more along the lines of being curious about when you enjoy your emotional eating and when you don't. And, you know, go a step further and of the emotional eating occasions that you do enjoy, which do you enjoy the most? You see, our eating is so habitual. We do so much of it without paying attention. And I want you to start paying attention and be okay. Maybe you say, let's write down everything that I eat for maybe three days. And then let's highlight all the times I ate for emotional reasons and let's look at those and seek to understand them. Let's be really curious. Let's see if we can rank the emotional benefit I got from each of those occasions that I ate. And then maybe we can focus on cutting out the times I ate that actually the benefit that I got from it emotionally didn't rank very highly or it just wasn't really worth it or I didn't get the emotional benefit from it that I expected to. Now, I'm making some mass generalizations here, and there is more to it, but the key points I want you to take away from this are, number one, emotional eating is normal, and you do it all the time, and that is okay. Number two, not all emotional eating is equal, in that much of it is not getting you any emotional benefit or minimal emotional benefit, and you want to identify when emotional eating isn't benefiting you emotionally, Because if you're eating in a way that's not benefiting you nutritionally and it's not benefiting you emotionally, then it's going to be the first thing for you to address to help you get a step closer to getting the balance that you want in your life for your eating. And it's that simple. Or at least it would be if we were robots and not humans. Because being human means that knowing and seeing something logically doesn't mean that it's always easy to do it. So it is both that simple and sometimes there's a slight nuance to it that it isn't. But it becomes easier when you have help and learning of how to operate your humanness, which is your body, your brain, your mind and emotions. And of course, if you do want help with that, that is what we do in the My One Life Mastermind and the Lose Weight Live Life Academy. So come and join us there is what I'm saying. But for the moment, let's help you further here today by deconstructing emotional eating on another level. Let's look at it from the emotional angle instead of the food angle. Okay, and just an aside, and I sort of keep having a wry smile to myself, and when I keep mentioning this deconstruct word about emotional eating, I can't get pictures of deconstructed desserts out of my head. I don't know if you've come across them, but a few years ago, it seemed to be that deconstructed food dishes were the in thing. You might have a deconstructed strawberry cheesecake, for example, where you would have a pile of biscuit crumbs or a scoop of cheesecake, creamy bit, and then a few strawberries on the side. So yeah, I'll have to see if I can find a picture to accompany this podcast episode. Anyhow, just thought I share, that's what keeps popping into my mind here as I'm talking about emotional eating and deconstructing it. Back to looking at deconstructing emotional eating from the emotional angle instead of the food angle. Because once we're aware of how we're using food in an emotional way, we cannot just stop. We can try using willpower, but it will only work for a limited amount of time, which is why most of the time people lose weight through restrictive dieting, they end up regaining that weight. We want to learn tools and strategies to help us replace food as our emotional management go-to tool. The truth is that we use food to create suppress, extend, and elevate our emotions, and in other ways too. Actually, before before we dive into that, let's just quickly check on, do we know what an emotion is? So let me clarify, what is an emotion? An emotion is a one word description of a vibration in our body. From happy or sad, to determined or apathetic, to confident or uncertain, to fearful or courageous, there are obviously lots and lots of emotions. And in fact, I did do a quick Google search and there is a reference to there being 34,000 emotions. Now I can't quite wrap my head around that. I was quite skeptical. So I did try and find out where that number came from. and The reference is an American scientist article from 2001 But it was locked, so I couldn't see the full article. So I'll have to have another dig around and see if I can find that because I'm intrigued and want to know more about it. But whether we have 34,000 emotions, I know we have a lot of them. So, emotions for the most part are caused by our mind, by our thinking. It's not always the case, but for the purposes of creating strategies to help with emotional eating, it's useful to focus on how we as humans create our emotions through how we think. In response to different triggers and circumstances and situations okay so there may be circumstances where emotion is almost like stored in the body it comes from previous traumatic experiences but for the most part it's useful to think about how we are creating our emotions with our thinking and because we are human and we have the unique ability to observe our own thinking we can have conscious thought about that which means we can upgrade and change our thinking Again, we cover all of this inside of the My One Life Mastermind. But anyway, let's look at how we create, we use food to create, suppress, extend, and elevate our emotions. We use food to create emotions such as comfort and joy and a whole host of other emotions. So, this is creating them, maybe such as pleasure or indulgence or feelings of connection. So, what does this look like? This might look like the pleasure you get from eating your favourite chocolate or that first sip of a glass of wine or gin and tonic. It might look like the comfort you get from having a roast dinner or a bowl of soup or a casserole, or what I would call an old fashioned pudding. It might look like the connection you feel when you share a sharing platter with your partner or have Friday night drinks with friends. We use food to create these emotions. Usually unknowingly, we're not really aware of what we're doing. We're not used to examining ourselves in this way. It's all happening without our conscious thinking of what we're doing. But the crazy thing is that the food doesn't actually create these feelings. It's the thoughts that we associate with eating these foods that create the feel good feelings. And that's so important for you to know because it means that you can create those feelings without the foods you habitually use to help you when you understand what's going on and have strategies to help you do that. This is how you change your relationship with food without feeling deprived. You change your thinking and you don't just take away the food and deny yourself that pleasure. You both learn to think about the foods that you think give you pleasure, but only give you momentary pleasure and maybe long-term pain, or we're talking emotional pain or emotional discomfort. You learn to think about those differently. You retrain the way you think about them so that you don't get the pleasure from foods that actually hinder you being the weight and the health that you want to be. And you can retrain your brain to get the same pleasure from different foods that don't hinder you or don't hinder you as much. And you also have the option of putting other strategies in place, and these might be non-food strategies, to create that pleasure in other ways. You see, we've learned so much bias when it comes to food we eat for emotional reasons to give us pleasure. We only see the pleasure in the moment and we overemphasize that and totally forget and underemphasize the knock on effect, the net negative effect of that pleasure. We don't see the flip side of it. We only see the pleasure we get in the moment, not the pain and suffering it causes us later on. But both of those are our truth. And at the same time, you don't always need to take away the food. Remember, We're just looking to get the balance right for you. It's not wrong to use food to create pleasure. You're just going to want to be more mindful about how you go about it so that you can get the balance right for you. You want maximum pleasure without creating an unwanted impact on your waistline. So it might be that you have less of the food that gives you pleasure or that you have a different version of it so that the pleasure you get is realized without the net negative of eating it. What about the next one then? What about how we use food to suppress emotions? We use food to suppress emotions that we don't want to feel, such as boredom, general discomfort, maybe stress or anxiety, Uh, frustration is another one, and of course there are many, many more. And often we use food to suppress negative emotions we feel about ourselves. When we are annoyed and irritated with ourselves, we often eat against ourselves which will of course make us feel worse and then we find ourselves in this vicious cycle where we sometimes feel stuck eating feeling bad because we ate eating more because we don't want to feel that negative emotion that we associate with feeling bad because we ate and we eat to suppress our emotions because most of us were not taught how to allow and embrace our emotions especially our negative emotions We somehow grew up in a world where society believed it was wrong to feel and express negative emotions. We were told to cheer up. We were told to not cry. We were told to put on a brave face. Have a stiff upper lip. Sounds very old fashioned, doesn't it? We grew up believing we had to suppress, to stuff our emotions away. And food is a really effective way to help us do that. When we eat, we distract ourselves from feeling those emotions and our brain releases more neurochemicals to dampen down or mask, if you like, or override the emotions we don't want to feel. All right, the next one I want to look at with you is extending our emotions. So the first two I think are the most obvious ones. These are a little more subtle, but I do see them coming up over and over again. So they there are there as well. So extending our emotions. I thought it was just me who used to want to go out to eat to celebrate when I was having a good day, when I was feeling a really positive emotion. Say, when I had just watched a brilliant junior theater performance that my daughter was in, or when my son's school rugby team won an important competition. But I noticed the habit in my clients too, and I think it's probably normal. Although I also think that it's one that I learned from my parents, I think that we want to have celebratory meals or have foods in a celebratory way because it enables us to hold on to those positive emotions, those feelings, whether it's pride or joy or elation. Going out and eating almost enables us to hold on to those positive emotions a little longer. It's like we don't want to get back to the normality of life that is going home to do all the normal things, such as making dinner, tidying, doing the jobs, dealing with admin, doing work, etc., 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 We want to bathe and revel in those highlights of life that we wished we had more often. And food helps us to do that. Our habitual interpretation of what we associate food with helps us to do that. But again, it's not about the food. It's about how we think about the experience that we associate with the food. And then the last one was elevating our emotions. So this one again is so normal. We just don't know that we do it. This is us rewarding ourselves with food because our emotional state is not where we would like it to be. It's not that we're necessarily experiencing negative emotion that we want to obviously not feel. It's more subtle than that. It's not that we're chasing joy or pleasure. What it is, is that we're looking to just feel a little bit of pleasure or a little more relaxed or a little less uncomfortable. And this might be, this elevating our emotions might be something that we do with food multiple times a day. Okay. This is me when I've got through the morning of whatever the morning looks like. It used to be different. It used to be like, you know, when the, the children were younger, getting them ready for school, that sort of mad dash and that hecticness. And then on the way to work, I would stop off and get my coffee. Okay, it was that coffee gave me a little break from life. It was a little bit of pleasure. It was a little bit of something that felt like it was for me, and so it was me. That was me elevating my emotion a little bit, and it's really normal. There's nothing wrong with doing this, but again, it's useful to understand where it's happening and see whether it is helping us or hindering us with being the weight that we want to be. And sometimes it absolutely helps us. It's not always hindering us. Okay, because. We want to be really savvy and looking at how we use food and drink to help us in our life, get everything that we want from it. Okay, But when you are elevating your emotions in this way, it's so subtle, you're probably not even aware that you're doing it. And one more, actually, now that I think about it, is taking a break from ourselves or our lives. So this is sort of related. It's just where we maybe eat to get a break or a moment's peace. This could be where we eat in a moment of transition between work and getting on with the evening chores or where we finish one piece of work before we start the next. So we've got all of this emotional eating going on and it's crazy isn't it when we look at it how we're just so unaware of it because it is just so normal. Most of it is taking place below our level of consciousness. It's so normal for us. It's normal for our society and our culture and the world in which we live today. So what do we do about all of this? How do we readdress the balance? Well, we have a multifaceted approach. Once we're aware, we can choose different strategies to help ourselves. We can explore ways to create more positive emotions in our life that are not to do with food or are to do with food, but that helps and doesn't hinder us being the weight that we want to be. And we can explore the cause of our negative emotion. Remember that it's generally caused by our thinking. It's our interpretation of life's circumstances. So we have opportunities to both change the circumstances in our lives and or to think differently about the circumstances in our lives. Another option is to practise the art of allowing and even enabling negative emotion. No matter how much we address changing our circumstances and no matter how much we get creative with our thinking, we are going to feel negative emotions in our life. We can't avoid it. It's a part of being human. So what if we were just better at feeling all of it? What if we could get comfortable with experiencing the discomfort of negative emotion? Well then, we wouldn't need to eat over it. Would that make being the weight that you want easier? I think it would. Remember, suppressing emotions with food doesn't make them go away, it just pushes them down. We still feel them, and when we're unhappy with our weight and we eat food to suppress negative emotion, what are we doing? Well, we're just creating more negative emotion. Okay, so there you have it. We've made a start with deconstructing emotional eating. Remember that just being aware of what's going on for you and observing yourself with curiosity and kindness is going to be a great first step in helping yourself find it easier to eat in a way that is you finding the balance between eating for fuel and nourishment and eating for emotional reasons that are right for you. And if you would love to go step-by-step through all of this to create the relationship with food that you want so you can lose weight, but importantly, be emotionally and physically healthier for life, then consider joining us in the My One Life Mastermind. If you're listening to this podcast episode when it's released, please do get in touch right away. Email support at weightwhispering.com because we are just about to embark on six months, six life-changing months where the women who take part will have the opportunity to learn all of the tools to help them get the balance of eating right for them so that they can lose their weight for the last time and confidently know exactly how to manage their weight for life. You can find out more at www.thebestyou.coach.com forward slash mastermind. Have an amazing week and take care. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life, lose weight as a part of that journey, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, then I would be honoured to have you join the Lose Weight Live Life Academy membership and coach with me. The programme offers different levels of support to suit you, including self-paced learning, twice-weekly calls, private coaching, an amazingly caring community, and lots more. Find out all the details about when and how you can join at coach/forward/slash/coaching.